0: Hello there, I'm Helen Perry, and thank you for coming to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast, which I make for creative, small, big, and just starting out business people who are promoting their work online. And this is a summertime bite-size episode, a chance to revisit and re-celebrate one of my favourite conversations from the past six seasons of the show a favour to ask before we start. If you're a friend of the Just Bloody Post It podcast, if you find it helpful and interesting and inspiring and good company, then go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people to find the show, which I love to see. How you do it is you go into your podcast app and then you scroll down to ratings and reviews and click on write a review. It's simple. Thank you. Okay. The word of the week is experience. And the woman of the week is award-winning stylist, Anita Ferrin Clark. Anita came on in series four to tell us about how she became a stylist and how she became an expert at sharing her knowledge on Instagram. Since I've known Anita, she's gone from having just a few thousand followers and honestly being a bit grumpy about why, given her credentials and experience, she didn't have as big of an audience as other, much less experienced or unqualified stylists, two, getting over herself, focusing on sharing what she knows for her ideal woman and going viral several times and gaining more than 120,000 followers in a couple of years. She explained that styling was not the path she was meant to be on. I was never,
1: ever encouraged to be a creative. I actually was forced to do chemistry, biology and maths A-levels by my parents, and I flunked them and got kicked out of sixth form college. And that was the time I said to myself, right, I'm never going to listen to my parents again. I'm going to follow my passion, and I actually think I'm a bit of a creative. So when I left home, the world became my oyster. Then I decided that I wanted a career as a buyer, uh, and I did did a business studies degree and what was the sort of piece de resistance, what got me started was um, getting a place on the graduate training scheme with Marks and Spencer and the training was second to none and that has set me up for life. Stuff I learnt when I was 25 uh, still
0: is in my memory bank and I still impart that information to my clients. There came a point though, didn't there, when working in a big, a big corporate didn't work for you anymore. You took the opportunity to leave and then kind of had nothing to do in front of you. And I would love you to tell the story of how you decided to retrain as a stylist.
1: I just couldn't cope with traveling all over the world and saying to my husband, here's the kids, I'm off to China for 12 days to check out Marks and Spencer's factories and production. And um, by um, by coincidence, I was really struggling with having two small kids. I was offered voluntary redundancy from M&S and I jumped at the chance. And then I had this huge void in front of me where I had two small kids but no job and I'm sorry, I'm not a stay-at-home mum. You know, looking after kids full-time for me would drive me absolutely nuts. (laughs) Sorry. And um, I I thought, right, what am I going to do next? So I invited over some of my fabulous friends. There was about eight of us. I fed them copious amounts of curry. And I said, right, here's some Post-its each. Please, could you just help me? Let's have a little brainstorm. Please, could you tell me what you think I should do next? So on these post-its, you know, those lovely fluorescent ones, they had written lecturer, teacher, um, stylist, um, enjoys colour, enjoys cooking, uh, cookery chef or all of this stuff. So, But fundamentally, what kept coming up was the fact that I understood about fashion and I knew how to project myself and teach. So then I did a teacher training course. And then I worked for three years at the London College of Fashion teaching fashion buying and merchandising, as well as the science of colour. And then I also concurrently, I set up Felon Clark Style. So that was 14 years ago, when my kids were still absolutely, you know, tiny whiny. So 2007 to 2008 was the busiest year of my life. But it was those post-its And the kindness of my friends who knew what my ability was, although I didn't know what it was, who helped me embark on another career in fashion.
0: When did the styling start to overtake the teaching? Because you're 100% a full time stylist now.
1: The lecturing, the teaching became um, quite a big job in itself because I also had to mark dissertations and all of that and prep for lectures. So my styling was on hold until... um, I finished as a lecturer, which was sort of in um, 2011. So that's when I really took the styling reins and then just went for it. And uh, I haven't looked back. So I would say it really started taking off in 2011.
0: What makes you a bloody good stylist? That's such a kind
1: thing to say. I would say fundamentally the core skill you have to have is objectivity. You cannot make people you see clones of yourself. You cannot push what you would like to wear on them. You have to understand a client's colouring, body shape, lifestyle, their budget, how they like to accessorise. It's all about the client. So I would say, yes, creativity is important. More important than that is objectivity and listening to the client really listening to what they want and what they want to wear, how they want to feel, how they want to convey their presence, all of that sort of stuff.
0: I think that rule can be applied to lots of things that people do. When did you realise that you were going to have to promote this styling business, probably online, to get clients?
1: Well, I already had my website set up, but I really found that Facebook didn't really do much for me it was just servicing sort of the clients I already had and I would say it was about four years ago I was very very late to the party that I got into Instagram actually sorry maybe five years ago and it's only since 2020 it's gone off the scale um, so Everybody was saying to me when Instagram first came out, oh, Anita, you've got to be on Instagram, jump on Instagram. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatevs, you know, just something else to do. No, thank you. I don't have time. So in hindsight, I should have listened to those people because, you know, my business could be somewhere else. But hey, ho, I finally listened and woke up and smelt the coffee. And yes, so I would say the last five years.
0: And I know that that also, even the Instagram journey, even once you decided to get onto the platform, that has not always been straightforward for you. And I know from discussions we've had together in the past that you found a frustrating and challenging place to be at times. When you looked around and saw people with less qualifications, less experience, with massive followings, And you were like, how did you shake off that feeling and grow the account that you've got today that drives so much work for you?
1: I actually would look at these accounts and I think, oh, you know, these women who are calling themselves stylists, they have very, very little knowledge and experience compared to me. However, Anita, just cut to the chase, stay in your lane Just think about your own bookings, how much you charge, the testimonials you get. Listen to your friends, listen to your husband, listen to all the encouragement. Stop looking at other accounts and comparing yourself with others. So it was sort of, I had to give myself a slap on the face, a slap on the wrist to say, come on, just sort yourself out. Just focus on what you do well. I haven't looked back since. So whether someone's got 100,000 clients or 3,000 clients, I don't give a damn because I know I'm good at what I do and I know I'm good at what I do because I get the feedback and I get so many bookings. So, Helen, it's about shutting down my own inner critic, being insecure or jealous of others. All of that has stopped and I'm very, very comfortable in my skin now. I think that's the only way you can operate on social media.
0: Experience is hard won, and no one can take it away from you. Anita was always as good as she is when she had 1K or 8K or 120,000 followers on Instagram. She just needed to get comfortable with showing us what she knows. When she started to make demo videos and share styling tips, her content started to be widely shared. And a couple of viral reels certainly helped to grow her audience too. But she was always as good as she is. I shared a podcast this year about the difference between being good and being known. It's a short listen. I'm going to put the link to it in the show notes. Go and check it out. It got a lot of conversations started. And I will also link to the longer version of my conversation with Anita. If you like the sound of it, I recommend it. There will be another bite-sized episode for you next week. Thank you for listening. Go and leave that review now. It helps other people to find us. Bye, bye, bye.